Take your Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. And also, we'll go to Hebrews 10 first, and then we will flip over to Exodus, chapter number 17. Hebrews, chapter number 10. Then Exodus, chapter number 17. Hebrews chapter number 10, uh, particular verse we're going to look at is just verse number 25. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. A lot of times uh, you will hear it quoted, and uh, especially in our days, much a very needful verse. And it is, um, a lot of times it is used for the beginning of the verse, but I, I want us to look, uh, use it as more for the ending um, tonight. And then we will go into Exodus chapter number 17. We've been looking at just some ABCs of, of Bible doctrine, of things on Sunday night. And, and uh, so come to the, the letter E. I begin to uh, pray and ask the Lord what would what would have. And um, it seemed like this was just what kept coming to uh, to my mind. So I, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 25. The Bible says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for being a good God and loving Savior to us. Lord, I pray as we look into the Word of God that you'd speak to our hearts, do that which only you can. We'll be careful to give you the honor, the glory. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want us to look tonight at the ministry of exhortation. Now, we see that, this, that the Bible gives us a clear scriptural command. Uh, this is not the only place, but one of the most familiar places to exhort one another. Now, the word exhort comes from the Greek word uh, perkleto, which is, matter of fact, is the same word um, that is used to is used when it describes um, the Spirit of God as as comforter. And so the the word perkleo means to call near. It means to invoke. And so as you as you go through the Word of God, you'll find that there again uh, several times throughout the New Testament that. The Word of God gives us a, a spiritual uh, uh, command uh, to admonish, to encourage, and to, to strengthen other believers. And reality of it is, is when you begin to even look at verse number 25, even the beginning of it, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, uh, as a matter of some is, that is the reality of what he, he is connecting that to exhortation. A person cannot be ex, cannot have exhortation in life. They can't be exhorted if they're not here to be exhorted. This is where we come to exhort one another, and so that is the that is the connection between the two. Now, it should not start start and stop here, but it is is where we start, and so we see that throughout the Word of God, one of the one of the truths of the Word of God is this. That God never intended the Christian life to be a life that is lived alone. 
Matter of fact, you'll find throughout the Word of God that the Christian life is a life that is lived with other people. Down through the, down through the Word of God, you have people, people like this. You have the prophet Elijah, and he had Elisha. You had Moses, and he had Aaron and Ur. You had Jesus Christ Himself, had the twelve disciples. In the New Testament, you have Paul, and he has Timothy, and he has Titus. And there's other, other people throughout the Word of God that God explicitly shows us that they had other believers surrounding them in, in the area of service. One of the greatest dangers of our day is a lot of times as we, when thing, thing, troubles happen, situations happen, and we want to, we want to isolate ourselves and we want to, uh, to become a hermit, but reality of it is, is that if the devil can get you to isolate yourself from other believers, he'll have no problem annihilating you. And there's a lot of people tonight that's been knocked out of the Christian race. They've been, they, they're, they're out of church. They're out of the will of God. They're away from God simply because they withdrew themselves and no one thought it enough of the scriptural command of God to exhort them and to help them in their, in their predicaments. And so all of us tonight, no matter our age range, no matter our spirituality, no matter our position, and no matter what walk of life we come, we all need ministering to. We all need exhortation. We all need encouragement. And so tonight, I want you to turn over to the book of Exodus, chapter number 17, and we're going to look tonight at, a, at an Old Testament example of that of a New Testament truth. And so we find that in Exodus chapter number 17, there again, this is very familiar. The children of Israel is now is leaving out of Egypt. They're now out of Egypt. They are, um, they are starting their journey into the promised land. And then all of a sudden, in verse number 8, the Bible says in Exodus 17, verse number 8, Then came Elamelech and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out and fight the, with Elamelech tomorrow, and I will stand on the top of the, of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Ur went, on, went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady unto the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomforted Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven." And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Don't you notice, first of all, the battle here that is present in verse number 8 down through verse number 9. There again, we, we find that this battle is a surprise battle. And there is no record that we know of that, um, that the Jews ever had to fight battles in Egypt. Now, yes, they had, they had struggles in Egypt, but they never had to fight battles and so this was, a, this was a new concept to them. This was a, a shock to them. Now also, I, I want you to see something in the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 25. 
The book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 25, verse number, notice verse number 17, down through verse number 19. Not only was this a surprise battle that is, that is brought to them in Exodus 17, but this, is, this was a very, very savage-like battle. And Deuteronomy chapter number 25, verse number 17, gives us, um, gives us more details of what took place at, the, at the, this battle. Now this is, this, is, this is what caused the battle of Exodus 17. Notice verse number 17 says, Note, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee. And when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. So we see that this, this battle of Elamelech, he come from, from the behind part. Now this is, as you can imagine, all these millions of people walking through the land, of, uh, this land of wilderness, and they're going to the land of Canaan. And the hinder part would be where all the, the, the uh, lame was, all the sick, all the elderly, all the ones who could not uh, keep, up with the, keep up with everybody else. And so when Elamelech come and he began to he began to wage war on the children of Israel, he waged war on those who could not fight for themselves. And he makes it the, the Bible makes it clear that uh, they he came and well, came and made war with them when that when they were the Bible says when thou was faint and weary. Not only do we see that in this was a surprise battle and it was a a savage battle, but we see this is oftentimes a symbol of our battles. Oftentimes our battles come as a surprise. Tonight, reality of it is many of us that you may be fighting a battle or the battles that you have fought in the past, most of the time God did not send you a postcard that said, hey, get ready, a battle's coming. Most of the time when battles come into our life is not when, there again, God does not give us a heads up that they're coming. Most of the time they catch us by surprise. And not only do they oftentimes catch us by surprise, but also you'll find that they oftentimes hit us where, where we least expect it. Anybody would have never have dreamed that they would have been the, armed, the children of Israel would have been hit, that someone would be so low and have the audacity to wage war on somebody that couldn't defend themselves. But that's the very first place he hit. And listen, the devil, that's the devil does not play fair. One, by, one man made this state when he was preaching many years ago, he said, the devil don't mind hitting you below the belt if that's what it takes to knock the wind out of you. And reality of it is tonight is the devil never plays fair. It's always a surprise. It's always savage. He, he, never, he, he will put you in situations. Reality of it is that you and I would have never dreamed that we would be in. And so we see this battle that's here in Exodus 17. But not only do we see this, the battle, but we see the burden of this battle in Exodus 17, verse number 11. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and Hur, and went up to the top of the hill. And we find in verse number 11, it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. We see Moses on the top of the hill with the rod of God in his hand. And this no doubt was a burden to Moses. This caused, uh, caused weariness on Moses' part. 
We find, we find uh, uh, later in the Old Testament that when Moses is, uh, is preparing to, to die, we find that, uh, that the Bible says about Moses that he, his eyes did not weary and his strength did not faint. So it was not because Moses uh, was a weak man. Matter of fact, it was quite opposite. Moses was not being weary at this, at this, at this moment because of his, his frailty and abilities, because of his age or or because of his, his lack of strength. But reality of it is that Moses was weary because of that of him having to hold up this rod. Now, in the, Jews, the Jews had a tradition a lot of times that they would, they would pray with their hands lifted up in the air. Remember what Paul would say, make this statement. He said, I would that men always pray. And then he goes on to say that, uh, to, uh, I, can't, I can't quote the verse, I forgot to write it down, it just came to my mind. Uh, that men to always to lift up holy hands, and, and what does that mean? That's their, that was the way they would pray: is lifting up their hands, signaling pray that they were praying. So as Moses is standing on the top of the mountain, holding the rod of God to the to the people that were in the battle, that was a signature of that he was praying for them in the battle. Now, if you know anything, if you have ever really uh, prayed about something. If you've ever been so burdened and so and so under the load of, of, of a burden that something has happened in your life, or maybe you're praying for someone else, uh, reality uh, the reality of it is is prayer is a load. If you are really under a burden, it will load you down. And so this is where this is where Moses is. Is he is he is not only burdened down with a battle, but he's burdened down with with praying for those that are in the battle. And there again, all of us at some time or another will be in a battle. And reality of it is, the battle causes weariness. It causes weakness. And listen to me, and we have to understand this. Even the lightest of loads get heavy after a while. A lot of times we look at the load that we think and we think, ah, it's no problem. It, it, it's no, it's nothing. I can handle it, and it may be light today. But if you continue to continue to carry that load, eventually, somewhere down the road, it will get heavy. So, reality again tonight. I, I, I had thought I, I meant to bring something else, but I, I forgot. So I'm going to, I'm going to use this. One uh, uh, of you boys, come here and help. Which one of y'all want to volunteer? Alright, come on. Here, come up here where everybody can see. Back from Disney World and in the spotlight. Take that. Is that heavy? Ain't heavy. Could you lay down on your back and bitch press that? Lay down on your back and bitch press it. Oh yeah, welcome to the gun show. That ain't heavy. Alright, just stand up. See, that's why I get you to do this, because I've been done out of breath. <laughs> now, I want you to hold it. I want you to take it. I want you to hold it up above your head. Both hands. All right, keep it there. <laughs> that's not very heavy. And probably right now, he's thinking, I've got this. But in a few minutes, <laughs> he'll be reconsidering. Why? Because remember, even the lightest loads get heavy 
after a while. So we see the burden. But notice then we see the brethren that take comes comes to comes to aid in verse number twelve. We see that Moses is there again. His hands were heavy, and they took a stone. And reality of in a story, Moses was unable to hold his hands up. And they, the Bible says that if they fall, the Amalekites will certainly win the battle. And so, and seeing this, this Aaron and this earth, that they're seeing this take place, and they begin to begin to take matters into their own hands. You're not holding it the size you once was. <laughs> that they begin to take matters in their own hands. Why? Because they see the effect that it's having on their leader. But then it goes a step further. They not only see the effect that it's having on their leader, they see the effect that it's having on their fellow brethren. It's, a, it's their brethren that's out there fighting the battle. It's their sons and their wives' sons and their nephews and so on and so forth out there losing their lives to the enemy. When Moses' hands begin to lower, they begin to get weak. And so they come and they surround Moses and begin to do something for Moses that will help him steady his hands. And the Bible says in Moses, Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. The one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Notice a few things about these men, Aaron and Hur. First of all, you'll find that Moses is a great leader. He was called by God and raised up by God Himself. Aaron was given the position of the high priest. Aaron was, was to be Moses' right-hand man. But then there was her. Matter of fact, you don't find much in the Bible about her. Matter of fact, Ur's not a leader. He's not a general commander. Matter of fact, he's not a priest. Matter of fact, you don't find anywhere in the scripture that he had any position. You know who her was? He is a picture of what every believer is supposed to be. He didn't have to have a position, he didn't have to have the prestige. Your hands tired, your arms tired yet? Getting there? <laughs> That thing was pretty light when you started, didn't it? Is it getting heavier? <laughs> and that's reality. A lot of times we start out thinking that what we're battling isn't a big deal. And here's also if you're not careful. I'm not holding it. So I could keep going all night and it's not going to bother me one bit. But it's going to affect him. Right. You know where a lot of people, a lot of Christians, the problem is, as long as it don't affect us, we're not worried if it affects him. Right. Amen. Can I can I can I just be real blank with you for just a second? You know why a lot of people leave church? 
is because that's their attitude. As long as their problems don't affect me, I'm not worried about it. But it ought to be exactly different. Their problems ought to affect me. Why? Because we are one body. And if he's hurting, I ought to be hurting. Your arms hurting yet? Come here. Come here, Cooper. Stand on the other side. Not like David and Goliath. <laughs> Have a seat. All right, got to hold his hand up for it. That half a little bit. You think he lasts a little bit longer that way? But you know what's going to happen eventually? Their hands are going to get tired. And so then somebody's got to come along and replace them. It's a chain effort. Yeah. And where we're missing so much in 21st century Christianity is if it's not my problem, it's not my business. But listen, if you are a child of God, and you see another child of God hurting, it becomes your business biblically because you are to exhort one another. <coughs> Reality of it is, is there's been too many preachers resign churches too soon because they felt like they had nobody to lift up their hands. There's been too many Sunday school teachers that have stopped teaching too soon because they had nobody to encourage them. There's been too many singers stopped singing their songs too early because they didn't have anybody to encourage them. And you, you, you mark it down, you etch it in stone and I'll sign it. Burnout is real. And nobody is exempt from it. Y'all be seated, thank you. Praise Jesus, huh? Thank you. I guarantee you there's been people in the past in this church that used to teach with the presence of God on their life. But they're not teaching. And chances are they're not even in church. You know why? It wasn't because they got in sin. Because they got burnt out. I guarantee you there's singers who used to sing in the choir. Who used to sing with a touch and a presence of God. They're not singing anymore. They're not even, they're not even in church anymore. And it's not because they got involved in sin and ungodliness. I guarantee you there's people that that still used to be that used to go to this church 
they still live a moral life. They're not, they're not cheating on their spouse. They're not running around. They're not committing adultery. They're not, they're not living ungodly lives. But they don't want to be involved in church. But one time their life revolved around. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They got in a battle. For one reason or another, exhortation was not there. You know what happened? They just got simply got burned out. The reality of it is tonight is you don't have to have a position to be an exhorter. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to be a, a, a singer. You, you don't have to have any type of position to fill the position of being an exhorter. And, I, 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 and there again, reality of it is tonight is if, if some of us do not get a hold of this truth, some of us will not make it to the end when Jesus comes. I, I, I don't know who it is. I, I, it, God forbid, it could be me. It could be my family. But I'm telling you tonight, there's a lot of people that have went under not because of sin, but because people have just simply neglected exhortation. A lot of times we think that people know how much we appreciate them. But reality of it is, is those people who think that we think they know how much we appreciate them. A lot of times under a breath saying, I wish somebody would let me know they appreciate me. And you can say, preacher, it goes without saying. But it sure is nice to hear it. Right? I remember when me and my wife first got married, I heard something in a movie one time and I thought, I'm going to use that. How many of you know you ought, probably ought not take, move, take marriage advice from Hollywood? <laughs> Amen. And this was it. It was a good line. I forget what movie it was. Somebody made a statement. Husband was talking to his wife. His wife made a statement. said, why don't you tell me you love me? And this is what he said. He said, I told you the day I married you, I love you. If I ever change my mind, I'll tell you if I change my mind. I thought, boy, that's good. And then... One day, KK said, you haven't told me you loved me lately. I told her. I said, you know what? I told you I loved you the day I married you. And if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. You know, that wasn't enough to suit her. <laughs> Reality of it is, is sometimes people want to hear it. And I'm not saying boast egos. I'm not saying make heads swell. Man, what would it hurt every now and then for us to go around and hug somebody and say, I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. I want you to think about this. When's the last time you just had somebody walk up to you for no apparent reason, maybe shake your hand, 
or hug your neck and say, I love you. I've been praying for you this week. I'm here for you. When's the last time that happened to you? It's probably been a while, hasn't it? And we wonder why so many people quit. And I know we could have the attitude of saying, well, bless God that they're in it for the thank yous and dep, 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 dep. They don't need to be in it. Be very careful with that attitude. A lot of people's not in it for a thank you. But a thank you may be what keeps them in it. A lot of people's not in it for the attention. But a little attention every now and then might, might be what keeps them from listening from the devil to quit and to throw in the towel. Well, what about people who are in, atten- in it for attention and for, the, and for the fame and for the glory? Honey, if they get in the ministry for the fame and for the glory, they obviously don't want much fame and glory. <laughs> you know, a lot of people talk about how rich preachers are. Only, the, only rich preachers are the false preachers. Because real preachers pastor real people and real people think if you keep him poor, he can't leave. <laughs> you know, we used to do a thing called love offering. You know, you, but Tim, you've had these love offerings where there's been more love than there has been offering. That's why people like love offerings. They just give you, give you more love than they will offering. And there ain't much love go around most of the time. I'm just telling you tonight, I wonder who will be the next to go under. Some of us don't get a burden for exhortation. Listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, 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 I've not been here a year. Many of you have encouraged me, encouraged my wife, and I thank God for that. But how do we do it with each other? Then we need to ask ourselves, can we do more? What, what, what more can we do to encourage somebody who's in the heat of the battle? Sometimes it's just a phone call or text message or a hug. I never forget, several years ago I was pastoring a church and A lady had a great tragedy. A family had a great tragedy in a church. And I, I went and something I, I would never wish on anybody. I remember going to the funeral and I didn't have a part, but I, I was there. And, and several weeks afterwards, I, I went up to her church and I just hugged her. I said, because I, I, I've spent weeks trying to trying to think of something to say. And I just hugged her. I said, I have no, no I, I just can't put into words what I want to say. But I, I just want to let you know I love you. And never will forget what she said. She said, Brother Charlie, she said, just your face being in the crowd 
was more than you could ever say. Sometimes it's just showing up. Not saying a word. Just to know they have that support. Song leader musicians come. They're getting burnout's real. Weariness is real. Weakness is very much real. And because those things are so real, listen to me. The ministry of exhortation among the church has to be that much real also. And you mark her down, etch it in stone. I've been trying to say this all for 20 minutes and I finally got to where I feel like I can say it. The closer we get to the Lord Jesus coming, the more we're going to have to practice exhortation. Amen. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord Jesus, the more this church is going to have to have the mindset of let's encourage one another, let's exhort one another, let's be there for one another. Because I believe you'll, I believe you'll agree with me tonight that the world is not getting better, it's getting worse. Amen. And it's getting harder for the believer to hold that line in our day. And so the harder it gets for the believer to hold that line in the world, that much more the believer needs to come in here to a place of encouragement. A place of exhortation. A place of paracleto. Of calling near. So this, this evening, I, I, I want us to cons really consider this thought. Ha have I as an individual, have I encouraged somebody this week? Have I, this week, have I, have I been 